And welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. Dylan, that is me. And we're back after a technical difficulty brief hiatus, but we're not letting it happen again for more than a day. Uh, By technical difficulty, Chris means the actual literal wrath of God. Yeah, yeah. But we back, and this week we're going to do an episode that we kind of alluded to, we kind of audibled into last week on the topic of games maybe not needing all of the mechanics that they include combat Uh, do we need it i think the answer might surprise you yeah specifically uh i was talking last week about my experiences playing paper mario origami king uh and that my overall takeaway from it at that point and even even now though it has gotten a little more interesting and i'll talk about that very briefly um but my general opinion is that i like the game a lot but I would like it more if it didn't keep interrupting the stuff that I find interesting, which is exploring the environments and, like, solving the little mini puzzles and, like, figuring out all of these little environmental things that there are to do with combat that is, for the most part, fairly tedious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that got us thinking about, like, other games where maybe combat is superfluous. Like, there are games out there... Combat is kind of like the the default form of conflict in games. Because it's, it's fun and it's an easy way to add difficulty and add danger and add stakes. But it's kind of just become just that. It's a default state where like, yeah. ev- not every game obviously, but a lot of games it's like, well, it has to involve fighting in some way because that's what games do. Yeah, it feels like it's thrown in there to check off a box. Yeah. Whereas, again, the thing that kind of brought this up is I was saying, I think that my opinion of Origami King overall would improve if it didn't have its combat system, if it was just an adventure game. Because that's, like, that's a whole genre of games that, like, okay, I can't say that, that like, old school adventure games never involved combat because sometimes they did, but it was always terrible. <laughs> Um, excuse you, the insult combat system from Monkey Island. Okay, is a fair gem. enough. But that's honestly, that's a great jumping off point because yeah, that's, that's okay. kind of <laughs> you were making a joke at my expense, but that's kind of a perfect system. Yeah. Like yeah. a point and click adventure game. There are point and click adventure games, and of course now that I'm trying to think of any that did this, I'm drawing blanks, but they would feature like Every now and then you'd get a point-and-click adventure game that featured a moment of, like, either an action chase scene or, like, some kind of environmental hazard that you need to quickly negotiate, or... Um, Hideo Kojima actually had two um, point-and-click adventure games that featured combat, and the combat was the weakest part. <laughs> yep, it, it always is, because that medium doesn't work for, like, fast-paced action set pieces whether it's combat or like river rafting or whatever the fuck like that's always going to be the weakest part of that because that's not what the systems that those games are built on are made to do yeah i think adventure games are at their best when they're comfy exactly uh and monkey island did a great thing where like there are what in any other game would be combat encounters 
but they're resolved entirely through dialogue trees by you having an insult contest with the other person. And it's great. Yeah, so it's it's a lot less like, you know, physical mastery or, you know, what have you, and more just um, the simple nature of enjoying the dialogue. Yeah, which is the highlight of those games. It's all about the environment art, the character art, and then the dialogue and the jokes and the storytelling. Yeah, um, Monkey Island is a game that has made me laugh out loud way more than I would expect. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> genuinely funny in a way that very few games are. Like most games that try to be comedy games don't do nearly as well as Monkey Island did. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of another another place to start this kind of conversation is I think that there are a lot of traditional RPGs that I kind of feel the same way about. Mm. Like I have been playing, I have, I, I fell off the wagon with it a little bit, but a while ago I was, I was playing through final fantasy seven for the first time mm-hmm. and playing that game on my Nintendo switch and being able to hit a button to turn off the random encounters when I'm yep. just trying to explore the world is my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, even as someone who grew up playing FF7 and loving FF7, as for, like, when I think of RPGs where, like, I want to revisit them, like, specifically because of the combat, FF7 is nowhere near on that list. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's not even that the combat is bad. I'm not trying to say that it's, like, bad or not engaging or not fun because it's not any of those things Mm -hmm. but there there hits a point where like it starts to feel like a chore it starts to feel less like like if i play a character action game if i fire up metal gear rising revengeance Mm -hmm. it's because i want to be doing the combat because that's what that game is built to be good at right even something like Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Like, I don't play that game for the combat, but the combat is always engaging because there's all of these different systems that you kind of have to, like, yeah, puzzle your way through to figure out how best to do it. Final Fantasy, in general, as a series, there, there are exceptions to this rule, but especially, like, the earlier numbered Final Fantasy games, I don't play those games because I like having my people stand in a line and picking attack. And, like, obviously, again, there is more strategy to it than that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but, I like, will, that's... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was uh, just, like, uh, that's not the draw for me. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, just to throw out that, um, you know, it, it's different from each Final Fantasy game because mm, they, they yeah. reshape the, uh, the way party management and all that stuff happens every game. But I, I will say that for FF7's case, um, a huge appeal of that, um, even for me when I was 12 years old, uh, the game was like nine years old at that point. But I think a huge draw for the combat for a lot of people wasn't so much the uh, actual depth of it, so much as the spectacle. Because they, like, those uh, battle animations and uh, the, the magic effects and the summons... Those were like mind bending at the time. Yeah. Uh, and so this this is a bit of a digression, but I did kind of want to address it. Um, that Final Fantasy VII combat, uh, maybe it, like you know, maybe I'd rather play Parasite Eve or Vagrant Story or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. At the same time, um, 
I like there's definitely that appeal of escalation and like the the feeling that you're becoming more powerful with your attack animations getting crazier and crazier. Oh, 100%. Like like that spectacle does help to sell the combat. And like, you know, obviously looking Basically, at Basically what I'm saying is that uh PS1 Final Fantasy is the Uncharted trilogy of yesteryear. I need to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wild take. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I I think that let me let me hit you mm-hmm. with a weird one. Okay, I'm listening. Less combat in my kingdom hearts, please. What? Okay, hear Excuse me out. Excuse me. <laughs> hear me out. I you know what? Usually when you say this, I'm like, "Oh, that's not that bad." But no, we're about to throw hands, buddy. <laughs> No, hear me out. Okay, the combat yeah. in Kingdom Hearts is very fun. Like, I'm not saying it's not fun. I love Kingdom Hearts. I love Kingdom Hearts 2. I love how ridiculously anime the fights in Kingdom Hearts 2 get. Like, I love switching stances or modes or whatever they call it. Like, the, the Valor form, Wisdom yeah, form, yeah. all that shit. I love all of the wacky animations that each of the different forms get. I love watching goofy fucking anime drop from the sky on top of a shadow blob. I love all of this. Chris, I wish you could see me because I just got my hands crossed and I'm shaking my head. <laughs> like, let's what hear I'm it. saying is okay. I want, like Kingdom Hearts again for me is a game where like part of the uh, the appeal is in the worlds that you get to explore. Mm-hmm. And in like the characters that you get to encounter. And so there's a part of me that's like, okay, what if we turned the dial on, like, incidental combat down by, like, 50%? I'm not, I don't want it out completely, which I recognize, given the topic that we were talking about, that's probably what it sounded like I was going to be saying <laughs> about no, Kingdom Hearts. No, but, like, I, I, I kind of knew where you were going with yeah. this. But I was still like, hmm, I don't know about this Wilson kid. That's fair. I if we if the if the show is now officially canceled, I'll understand. <laughs> uh but like for me, yes, it's fun to like watch all that combat animation, but after a while, even as good as for in here I'm specifically thinking about like Kingdom Hearts 2, because Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. 1 has a lot of good animation, but it's also like it's, it's not basic. as flashy. It's much more basic. It's a little bit more close to the ground because, of course, it is. Um, but even as great as all of that, like, flashy, over-the-top anime fighting in Kingdom Hearts 2 is, by the end of that game, you've seen every animation so many times. And, it, it like, however good the combat is, I think that there's a little bit too much in the way of just, like, every room you go into, there's going to be a little fight. Chris, I gotta hand you this L, buddy. <laughs> hey, I if I'm if I'm holding you an shot. L after this argument, I'll I'll take that. But this is my stance. Okay. I th- I just think, imagine if some of the focus was shifted away from combat and mm-hmm. towards, I don't know, slightly more adventure game style gameplay. Yeah, and then the combat that exists is then free to be slightly more varied. Maybe they're able to be more thoughtful in like configurations of enemies that you go up against so they don't feel quite as samey. Maybe they're able mm-hmm. to be, to funnel some of that bu- budget into making the boss fights 
you know, which are, to my mind, the highlight of those games in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Like, the boss fights in Kingdom Hearts are really cool. But, like, think about how much more impactful something like the uh, the fight against, like, the thousand nobodies would be mm -hmm. if, like, you'd never had a fight that lasted even a quarter of that length before. Yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Yeah. And, like, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I am starting to remember that, like, the biggest set piece moments of Kingdom Hearts 2, like, once you control Sora, are combat set pieces. Yeah. Um, like, I, I definitely get where you're coming from, and I, I'm joking and yucking it up. No, I got like, you, I got you. I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from. I was I was thinking more in terms of, like, ah, oh, but Kingdom Hearts 2 has so much enemy variety, there's so much stuff you can do with, like, the different AP commands and skills. Oh, and it totally does, and, and I, I, I would not forms. want that removed at all, because I think that's great. I yeah, just, I, like, I guess like what I'm what I'm trying to say is I feel like it's a weird balance to strike because in Kingdom Hearts two specifically that one amongst the entire series there's just so many combat options and builds to experiment with and stuff like that. I that, see what like, you're saying. I don't know if I could see it being made any other way, even if like it's not my favorite Kingdom Hearts game, but like I definitely think like what it does it does extremely well. But I also yeah. get where you're coming from. Yeah, I think that part of that opinion for me, because this is something I've I've thought for a long time, even as much as I like the combat in that game, I think it's because the first time I experienced Kingdom Hearts 2 was right on the heels of one of my many, many playthroughs of Prince of Persia Sands of Time, mm. which is a game that I, like, I don't necessarily want to say I think it would be better without the combat, but the combat is far and away the weakest part of that game. Yeah. And King and Prince of Persia's Sense of Time definitely falls into the trap of, like, by the end of the game, they haven't made the combat harder, they've just made the combat longer and yeah. more. <laughs> and so, like, I'm getting these delectable little bites of uh, platforming, these little, these little bonbons of wonderful flipping and jumping choreography, mm -hmm. but between every one I need to eat an entire pot roast of mediocre combat. <laughs> So what you're saying is Prince of Persia 2008. I mean, yes. Is, is at least mechanically an improvement. Yeah, like Prince of Persia 2008, I, I think is overall a weaker game than Sands of Time, but in terms of the balance of platforming to combat, mm -hmm. yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I think the, the first game, uh, like the original Prince of Persia, is probably my favorite in regards to that. Oh, yeah. No, like... 89 Prince of Persia is still a masterpiece to this day. It's wild how you can't play that game unless you own a copy of Sands of Time and have done the obscure trick to unlock it, because yep. I don't know any other way to get that. Yeah, or if you are an ancient withered sage like my father who still owns both the Prince of Persia and Shadow in the Flame Get a dual pack CD-ROM. Yeah, Shadow in the Flame too. Yeah, I played Shadow in the Flame growing up too, dog. It kicks ass. Oh, bro. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, we had we have that on CD-ROM at my dad's house somewhere, and he still owns a computer old enough to boot it, it to boot a DOS emulator and run it. Oh, that's fucking wild. <laughs> um, so um, Metroid Prime, love that game. Uh, it's one of my top five games of all time. I agree. Uh. In fact, I don't even really have a problem with the combat in Metroid Prime. Uh, I think, like, 
you know, the Chozo Wraiths or Ghosts or whatever they're called can get pretty annoying, but I think part of the fun of Metroid Prime is planning a route so you don't have to go through that area. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you get the, uh, I think it's the Phazon Visor or something, it's been a long time since I've yeah, played Metroid that's Prime the one completion. that lets you see the invisible shit. Uh, like, you know, you can basically trivialize those fights. So, Metroid Prime, you know, maybe the combat is, like, kind of in the way, like... You know, the phase on mines kind of suck. Like, there's some areas where you're like, I could do without this. But, like, overall, it's fine. Metroid Prime 2, on the other hand, um, a lot of people like Metroid Prime 2 more than Metroid Prime. And I won't yuck your yum or anything. But also, if you like it more because the combat is more difficult, why? <laughs> I don't... Like, I guess it's like... Uh, so, Metroid Prime 2 is, like, a lot harder, but, like, it's... The number one reason why it's harder is because, like, there is more enemy. There are more enemies. They take longer to kill. Mm. And they're, they're more aggressive. Um, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think that... I, I frequently... I don't know why, but I frequently just remember this line. The uh, There was an article published for, like, the 10-year anniversary of Metroid Prime mm -hmm. uh, on Kotaku. And the front the first line is... Samus Aran does not miss. Yes, I because remember that. In in Metroid Prime, you hit lock on, you hit the fire button, your shot hits the thing you're locked onto. Because it's not a shooter. It's not a game. Like, and I don't say this to trivialize that like they do build some interesting combat encounters. There are some interesting boss fights in Metroid Prime. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, the random fights in the rooms that you have to go through is not why you play that game. Right. Um, And so, I guess just, like, thinking about kind of what I like about Metroid Prime 1 versus what I don't like about Metroid Prime 2, it's... There's, there's a lot of things where I like Metroid Prime 2, but, like, there's a lot of decisions it makes that lessen my enjoyment. But we're talking about combat right now. Um, and so, looking at the combat, it's just kind of, I want to be exploring these areas. Uh, Metro Prime 2 has some really cool areas uh, that are different from your typical fire level, ice level, water level um, environments. And they're really cool, but I, it always feels bogged down because whenever I'm trying to get from room to room, it's like, here's a new encounter. This enemy takes... 30 seconds longer than your average encounter in Metroid Prime 1, mm. on average. Um, and so it, it feels like I have to kind of set my desire to explore aside just so I can not take too many hits. Because you also have to explore the dark world, because uh, Metroid Prime 2 has a dark world mechanic. and Metroid Prime 2, A Link to the Past. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of what they were aiming for, actually. But, like, when you're in the dark world, you're constantly taking... The atmosphere damages you. So, with the exception of a couple safe zones, you're constantly taking damage. And so, even if you don't want to fight and you want to ignore the enemies, you're just... You know, you have to at least try a little bit, because otherwise you're going to get sapped of your HP. And I just... I don't play Metroid for that. In fact, I would... My hot take of the day is that, like... I could play a, a Metroid Prime game with like no combat and still. Oh, have I a hundred percent agree. Like, I, give me, give me Metroid Mist. Hell yeah! <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like the idea of a a 
like a combat free Metroidvania, mm-hmm. I would play the shit out of that. Yeah, like give, like a, a a Symphony of the Night like or a Hollow Knight like, without any enemies, where it's just about negotiating, platforming, and solving environmental puzzles. Like that would be so choice. Yeah, like and. That's I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from with um with the Metroid games at yeah. least. Um I you know, I'm not saying Metroid shouldn't have combat, but like I am saying I don't think Metroid Prime necessarily needs it. And the fact that it is basically trivialized in the first game, but is nearly mandatory in the second game yeah. is kind of this dichotomy is kind of what I wanted to talk about. I just I don't think the combat really adds anything because the Control scheme was never meant for combat. The control scheme was meant for exploration. Yeah, and I mean, like scanning look at, stuff. Yeah, look at the way that the GameCube had two perfectly good analog sticks, and they very purposely were like, "Nah, this is not a first-person shooter control scheme. Mm-hmm. You don't get control of like free control of the camera with the right analog stick. You have to hold down." a trigger that roots you in place if you want to look around because it's a fucking adventure game. Yeah. Absolutely. And to be fair, I still think I still love that control scheme. Like I thought that was I think it holds up super well, dude. <laughs> it's still so easy to go back to Metroid Prime. Yeah, like it takes like a couple seconds to adjust if you're used to modern first-person shooter controls, but once you're moving, you're moving. Yeah. And I think that like if you look at Metroid Prime, like the first one, between things like the lock-on and the various power-ups you get that like do allow you to very much trivialize most of the enemy encounters, and also just like a lot of the quality of life things that are coded into that game, mm-hmm. like Metroid, we this is another thing that we talked about wanting to do an episode about in the future. But like Metroid Prime is a game that I just like existing in. Because they make it so easy to have fun in that world. Like, the... And this is... I'm tangenting again here, but, like, the... The jump in Metroid Prime is the best that first-person platforming has ever felt. I'm thinking have you ever have you ever now. noticed what the camera does when yes, you jump yes, in the Metroid way it like kind of tilts a little bit yeah it'll tilt up a little bit at the beginning and then down a little bit at the end so to help you for one thing it makes it feel much more like as much of a fucking gaming buzzword as this is immersive um, you really feel like you're samus Aran. yeah it it's I want to play Metroid Prime on the oculus rip no um <laughs> that's a thing you can do I well now maybe I do want this um but <laughs> But what it does is it makes it just it mimics like what you want your eyes to be able to do without you needing to do any of the legwork of like manually adjusting a camera. And speaking as someone who grew up playing shit like Half-Life, mm-hmm. which I love, but the first Half-Life's platforming sections can die in a fire. You know what? That's fair. Um, I, uh, I was actually going to say that uh, I kind of forgot about that in Metroid Prime because I lock the camera when I jump so I can keep looking forward and I do that subconsciously. <laughs> that's because hilarious. I'm a pro gamer. I guess that's fair. You got these speedrun strats. I wouldn't call it a speedrun strat, but like, <laughs> hey, maybe it is. I don't know. Epic gamer move starring <laughs> Dylan Gregory. Uh but yeah, like that's just it's clear from like a design perspective that Metroid Prime was never about the combat. And, like, I agree with you. I'm not necessarily in the boat of, like, it doesn't need to have it. But I do think the choice to 
so like adds so much emphasis to the combat in Metroid Prime Two feels very weird. Yeah. By the by the time I beat Metroid Prime Two, I was just really tired and wanted it to be over because <laughs> that final boss is like really tough and it's like three phases and you're just like, oh my god, just die already. Just eat it. I don't need you to be difficult. I can just play Devil May Cry or Doom. <laughs> See, so, which yeah. I really think Doom would be better if it would not. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, whatever. So, Chris, you started mentioning RPGs. I'm going to continue on that yeah. RPG train. Uh, there are a lot of PS1 RPGs that I would love, that are popular, that I would love a lot more if they weren't rpgs okay go on say more words um and also i'm just i'm going to throw in uh super nintendo i'm going to throw in earthbound along with them um, okay earthbound chrono cross Z- uh xenogears and persona 2 are all games with amazing phenomenal stories where i just don't think the combat adds anything the only exception is like earthbound was originally meant to be a parody of dragon quest but like I think yeah. I think Dragon Quest still plays better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Dragon Quest at least has an element to it of like, I don't know that there's something to Dragon Quest combat where like even though it's not why I play a Dragon Quest game, it's still enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I like I Dragon Quest combat's a lot snappier than um, Earthbound's combat, or they're they're about the same. But I guess Earthbound you're stuck with Ness for so long and he doesn't really have an interesting toolkit like i i could i could do an entire episode on why (laughs) i think earthbound while a good game kind of doesn't hit quite the same heights that like some of dragon quest's best does um oh boy is it hot in here or is it just all the earthbound fans holding torches to my head hot in here or is it our dms (laughs) oh boy um but no, I okay. So like I I've been playing Earth a little bit of Earthbound earlier this month mm. just to kind of revisit it. Um, and I don't want to stay on this too long because it's off topic. But like I guess it's like the, the 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 fact that like everything is kind of to scale in Earthbound. Um, and the like degree to how limited your inventory is and the number of different restorative items all with like little different quirks with like wildly different prices it just it feels messy to me um compared to uh dragon quest sure uh also weapon types oh man uh i'm digressing i'm sorry okay (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no i have to get this out but okay (laughs) um Bottom line is, I I like Earthbound because it's a charming adventure where you're. It's basically a road trip movie through wacky fantasy suburbia, and that's really cool. I love that. Yeah. Uh, the the dialogue is fun. The characters are fun. The NPCs are fun. Um, the combat is fine. It's just it slows down the pace of the game. Is yeah. all I'm trying to get and if, at. And if the focus of if like so much love has been put into these characters and the story and like the, the the journey that they're going on. Do you need combat? I would argue. No, I say no. Like I could see why like, you know, mother one was a parody of dragon quest, but like by earthbound, I feel like the series had enough of its own identity that it didn't need to be an RPG. 
In yeah. fact, I don't think Earthbound wants to be an RPG. When you clear a dungeon, you can still fight the enemies in the dungeon, but they run away from you. It's like they, they know it's tedious. Yeah, like, I I think that, kind of to piggyback off your, like that list of RPGs you gave, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of RPGs with, and I, I don't mean this in, like, the in a, a pejorative sense, but with, like, that generic turn-based RPG combat system. Mm-hmm. A lot of those games would be as good, if not better, if they were either adventure games or visual novels. I would agree with that 100%. I think, and I guess, like, you know, uh, to we because I want to talk about the other games I listed as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I won't spend so much time kind of, like, uh, wringing my hands over yeah. those. <laughs> um, but, like, I guess I'll start with Chrono Cross. Uh Chrono Cross is really interesting because the combat system is actually really fun. It's just that you feel like you're wasting the combat system on random encounters. But, like, the boss fights themselves are interesting. Chrono Cross is interesting because it it feels like it doesn't want to be an RPG. But it's the sequel to Chrono Trigger, so it has to be. (laughs) Um, What does it feel like it wants to be? So, I'll I'll get to that in a second. But, like... Uh, in, in Chrono Cross, you can run away from every battle without fail. Um, that includes boss fights. You can... Um, there's really no equipment. Like, you know, you have equipment, but it doesn't really play that big of a, a purpose. There's no, um, like, items aren't really a thing. You have, like, consumable spells that you can buy. But, like, I guess, yeah, that Chrono Cross is entirely built around spells that you equip and what you're doing in combat is you are attacking to try and gain the conditions to cast a spell that you need to cast and that's interesting in boss fights because it's long form combat where you're really trying to strategize and think about your character builds but in your average standard uh random encounter they're not random um they're on field you can run into them and fight them so sure but like in those encounters you're not really doing much besides hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, casting your like hardest hitting spell, and then rinse and repeat as long as you can before the battle's over. And these animations are long, they're not short. And when there's so many enemies in a given fight, it just drags out the entire experience. Gotcha. Um, and so I I think it's just it's it's that and then there's also the fact that like the combat doesn't even give you experience points because you basically level up after every boss fight. Right, we talked about this last week. Yeah. So it's it's just this thing of like if the random battles are so inconsequential, why don't I just have an area where I can practice uh spells or test my uh configuration, my party configuration? And then when a boss fight happens, I can just do that boss fight because that's the most interesting way this combat system is utilized. Yeah. Yeah. And that that all is to distract from the fact that, like, Chrono Cross itself would be a very interesting adventure game in which you are playing a kid in an alternate, like, splinter universe where he was supposed to have died ten years ago. And you're hopping back and forth between the universe where... You lived in the universe where you died, and you're talking to different people and seeing how their lives changed from this butterfly effect. And wait, so it's it's the 
Chrono Cross is It's a Wonderful it, Life, it's the absolutely JRPG. It's a Wonderful Life, the JRPG. And that sounds amazing. amazing, doesn't it? Yeah. It would be a lot more amazing if it was It's a Wonderful Life, the text-based adventure game. Or yeah. the, the adventure game. Hey, hey, hey gamers. Hey, hey, gamers. I'm going to get right up on the mic for a second so I can tell you something really important. Go play some old school adventure games. Go play some old dialogue tree games. They're fun. They're really fun. Hell, hey. don't you don't even have to go play an old one. Go play Subsurface Circular. It's from the guy who who wrote Thomas Was Alone. It's a great game where all you do is talk to robots. I love it. It's like eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, just like and and that's that's kind of like the the core of this whole episode, I guess. Like there there are so many games out there, and there are so many other ways to tell stories where like. Like I would play the hell out of Chrono. I've, I obviously I've heard of Chrono Cross before. I've never played mm-hmm. Chrono Cross, but what you just described—it's like I don't want this to be a JRPG. I want this to be a game full of like complex dialogue trees and like mm-hmm. block shifting puzzles between worlds and like. That sounds great. That sounds rad as hell. Yeah, and and like they have that is the issue, like. I, so I know that the guy who directed Chrono Cross, he was one of the lead writers on Chrono Trigger, and mm-hmm. it felt like he was more enamored with the idea of doing an adventure game, but kind of, like, the combat system was kind of there as a, it's a sequel to Chrono Trigger, because between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, he actually did a text-based adventure game on the Super Nintendo Satellaview, which, if you guys don't oh know, is like... Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know what the Satella view is, it's like, I think it was like a satellite that picked up, you know, radio signals that you could, like, make DLC. I, I don't know what technology was like in the 90s, but it, it was basically DLC before DLC. I think. Maybe. Yeah, it was a satellite modem peripheral for the Super Famicom which allowed you to download games, magazines, and other content through satellite broadcasts. Yes. Okay. So I wasn't too far off. No, you were you were pretty right. It's it was it was fucking satellite DLC <laughs> in the era before Wi-Fi. That's fucking crazy, bro. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um and so like you know, I haven't played that game, but from the sound of it, it sounds more or less like what I wanted Chrono Cross to be because it's it has the same characters as Chrono Cross it's just without the it's a wonderful life angle um and yeah that would have been awesome uh or I'm getting my wires crossed the text-based adventure the adventure element of that would have been awesome yeah um, but the last that's uh not what came to pass and you know it, Chrono Cross is still a good game it's just you know it's hard for me to sit down and get invested in it because i just i'm 26 years old and i have other things to do with my life than uh the you know rpg combat that's the other thing like i recently purchased persona 4 golden because it was on sale on steam Mm mm-hmm and I have heard nothing but good things about Persona 4. Mm-hmm. I am very excited to play through Persona 4 for the first time. Okay. I'm a 26-year-old man with a full-time job and a side hustle. <laughs> hey, Chris, you know what my suggestion is? Yeah? 
put it on the easiest difficulty settings. I'm honestly probably going to do that. Like, that's because when I buy Persona 4 Golden, as someone who was a hipster like 10 years ago and said, oh, the PS2 version's better because it's more difficult, I am putting it on the lowest difficulty settings because I don't feel like playing Persona 4's combat. Yeah, like... I have I have never played Persona 4. I know nothing about the combat. I can tell you I'm going to put it on the easiest mode so that I can breeze through the combat so I can experience the story because that's what I fucking care about and I don't want to grind. Like, We're there is agreement. a part of me... There is a part of me that, like, I still enjoy difficult games. I still enjoy, like, every now and then I'll be like, you know what? For my hour that I get to play games today, I want to beat my head against the same boss fight in Sekiro for that yeah. whole hour. Well, I guess but even... Are... Sorry, I, I'm just going to button real yeah. quick. I guess, like, even looking at, like, RPGs, there are there are JRPGs that are built for combat, at, with combat being, like, the primary, like, appeal. Yeah. And so when I think of, like, again, like, Parasite Eve or Vagrant Story or um, Fire Emblem, uh, just, like... Games were like, you know, it, it is the strategy or the character building, and it you feel like you're not being wasted. Your, t uh, your time's being wasted with the combat because that's the main draw. Or like even, you know, like Darkest Dungeon, to use a Western example. Yeah. Um, That's different from like a game where you're really just kind of playing it for the story or for the environments. Um, I'm just going to throw out Persona 2 and Xenogears real quick, have really good stories yeah. and really good cast of characters, but I don't care for the dungeon design and I don't care for the combat, and that's 90% of those games. Yeah, like that's that's kind of the thing, is like, to, to take it back to Persona 4, or like you were saying, uh, you know, a Final Fantasy game or Xenogears, if I'm playing the game for the story... There comes a point, and every game is different, but for a lot of RPGs, for me personally, that point is fairly early, where <laughs> I stop caring about the combat, and I just, I view the combat as something I have to wade through to get to the next story beat that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Make it, an, make it an adventure game. Yeah. Make it dialogue tree heavy. Or build encounters in a way that they feel more story relevant. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There there are solutions around it, but, like, RPGs are a big offender of the, like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this fight right now kind of camp of yeah. game design. <laughs> and just so people don't think that I'm just, like, out here to shit on JRPG combat, like, I love... Hey, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Are people going to make fun of me if I call Pokemon a JRPG? <laughs> no, Pokemon is definitively a JRPG. The only people I love who will deny that are Pokemon fans. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but, like, I love Pokemon. Like, I I frequently return to, like, Pokemon Gold and Silver, and I've been playing Pokemon Sword a fair amount during quarantine. The combat in that doesn't bother me because, the like, that's the fantasy of the Pokemon games is you training your stable of critters. <laughs> So random encounters don't feel like a drain on the momentum. They feel like what the momentum is made of, Yeah, if that makes sense. Oh, God, we're rambling now, but I, I yeah. just had an interesting point I wanted to bring Do up. it. Um, I, I was talking with a, a Twitter mutual, um, Wonder Magenta. You guys should follow him. Um, I, I was talking with him about uh, how I kind of view R JRPGs an engaging JRPG uh, system is where one where, like, the battles aren't so much, you know, this constant intrusive thing so much as, like, 
they are a part an element to a dungeon crawl um so you know if you look at the survival horror genre that started with resident evil and resident evil is the spiritual successor to a jrpg dungeon crawler um which you might not have known but so when i when i look at like something like dragon quest or certain shin megami tensei games i think what makes that engaging is isn't so much the combat itself so much as you know how much will this battle drain me of my resources and like will i have to pull out of this dungeon crawl to restock yeah like i i think jrpg combat can be interesting and i know that we are now focusing on this way too much yeah. um, so we can move on either to the end or to whatever the thing chris forgot was oh it's it's long gone from my brain uh, i think no. that can be the the end no it's all right it can't have been that important uh but i think that that is a good like this did turn a little bit more JRPG combat-centric than I think we, I we think, set out with I it. I think it was going to. It was always yeah. going to, because that's yeah. the one that everyone kind of whispers. Yeah. Uh, but we're, here's us saying the quiet part loud. Um, <laughs> but anyway, hope we didn't piss you off too much with our hot takes. Uh, thank you all for jo- tuning into this slightly late episode of Backstage Gaming. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, remember that wherever you get your podcast, whether that's the Apple Podcast Service, the Google Podcast Service, the Stitcher Podcast Service, the Spotify Podcast Service, just leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends about us, tell your family about us, tweet us to a community of angry JRPG fans so that they can listen to us and boost our numbers. And if you want to know more about our show, you can find us at our website, Backstage Gaming. No, sorry, that's not it at all. That's our show's title. It's bsgpod.com. That's where you can find info about the show, info about me and Dylan, a contact form if you want to reach out to us, all that good stuff, yeah! If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And, you know, if you want to tweet at us or Facebook at us, I think that's a thing, uh, you can use that hashtag BSGpod. Also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, you can find him on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com or on instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. You can also find him on Twitter at brennan underscore french. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality, and you can find more of his music by searching for BioQuery on Spotify, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by heading to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts about video games, and if you need more of that in your life, you should check them out. They always retweet the other shows over on Twitter, at HPVGPodNetwork. And... Thank you, as always, to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod for helping us do this show without losing money. If you like what we do and you want to support us, our Patreon is a great way to do that. You can find that at patreon.com slash bsgpod. That's all I've got for this week. Uh, anything else from you, Dylan? Yeah, so I think the real problem with Earthbound's combat is that it, it's not really interesting at the start. And- anyway, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>
a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.